This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Is this thing on? Hello, hello, hello. Praise God. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the abundant blessings that you pour down upon us. You bring me down just a little bit. Father, I just, I pray right now, Father, that, Lord, that you'd anoint me, Father. Father, I pray that that every word that I speak, Father, would come straight from the throne room, Father. Lord, I pray that I would be the conduit to you. Father, I pray that every word that I speak comes with love, Father. And Lord, I pray that your word would be like a a sledgehammer to a marble, Father. Father, upon our hearts, Father, that it would just, just explode it, Father, so that you can rebuild it in your image. Father, I thank you, Father, for, for the message that you've given me, Father. I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word, Lord. Lord, I just love you, I praise you, and I thank you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Can everybody stand, please? So, before every sermon I preach, I, I speak two, two verses. And it's out of reverence, and it's out of something that I just, I picked it up from a, a pastor friend of mine named Art Neeland, fantastic evangelist. The word is precious. The Jewish people, the, 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 the rabbis, they had a Bible, and they wouldn't even touch it with their hands. They'd use a stick with a piece of vellum at the end to turn the pages because that's how reverent they felt about the word. And I feel we kind of lose that sometimes. So in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, I don't know if if it can be up there. There it is, praise God. What version did we get? Awesome. Yep, so I I read two versions. I read New King James or Amplified. I preach out of Amplified and I read New King James. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek, crave, requires a necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven, forgive them their sin, and heal their land. That that verse has no more bearing than today. Our our lands are are full of tribulation right now. The second one I always read too is 16.9 out of the same same, uh, book. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro, to and fro throughout the earth so that he, he may support those whose heart is completely his. He's, he's watching us. He watches us all the time. He watches for the, for the tenderhearted, for the, the people who, who carry his word and bear his word, bear his witness. You may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the message, the, the title of the message this morning is Forgiveness is a Verb. David Wilkerson, I don't know if any of you are 
know or have heard of David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was a pastor from, oh my gosh, yeah, blanked on it. It's a church in New York. It is a cross and switchblade, yes. He was called from Midwest to go preach to the gang members in New York in the mid-60s. Fantastic preacher. He died about five, six years ago. Uh, his preachings inspired me a lot. And one day somebody asked him, they said, how come you preach the way he does? And his reply was, when you go to a doctor's office, the doctor doesn't sit there and, and, and talk about the medicine for 45 minutes and then talk five minutes about the disease. He said, no, the doctor talks about the disease and what it does to your body and, and how it affects you. And then the last five minutes, he says, this is the medicine and I'm going to give it to you to, to cure you from this, to, to heal your body. See, Webster's Dictionary defines the word forgiveness as to cease to feel resentment against an offender, to give up resentment or or of or claim to requital for requiring something given in compensation or retaliation. Three, to grant relief from payment, i.e. forgive a debt. In my own finite way, I'm gonna try to, to, to follow David's step, David Wilkerson's steps. I, and and I'll, I'll tell you something. I believe that myself and other pastors and People, we stand on the shoulders of amazing men of God. We stand on their prayers that they lifted up us, lifted up, lifted us up with. Sorry, Lilda. And so, I try to emulate these people. Not, I don't want to copy them, but I want to to bear the word the way they did, with the reverence and the, the honor that they they carry it with. So the Bible talks about forgiveness, or unforgiveness. The Bible, it says it's a root of bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short, the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by many become defiled. See, I believe everybody has a root of bitterness in them. And there's parts of that root, little tendrils. There's, there's anger, there's fear, but there's unforgiveness. Somebody wrote that, that unforgiveness is the... Hold on, let me find it. Uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers said, the root of bitterness ferments in unforgiveness. You see, unforgiveness is, is sneaky, and it's treacherous. And a lot of times we don't recognize that we have it in our lives. And, and the thing about unforgiveness is it can affect everything in our lives. My own experience, I was a, a drug addict for 28 years. I went through a men's home in Lakewood called New Hope or, uh, Center of Hope, which is run by Pastor Ray Chavez, New Hope Ministries. It was in that home that I, I learned about that root of, of bitterness. And I realized just how much unforgiveness I had in my life. 
it stems back from when I was a child. And I, I, I didn't like people. Once I got out of the home, I, I looked for work anywhere. I did everything I could. At one point, I worked for a retailer doing overnight resets, trying to get a job permanently at the place. Which thank God I didn't because I had a million animals. It was a pet store, by the way. Uh, and I love animals. I was working actually right here when it was a Sunflower Market, when it first opened. I was the maintenance man. I was a janitor. I cleaned. That's all I did was cleaned. But I was happy. I, I, every day I, I talked to people and I would, I'd tell them about God and what he's done in my life. And nobody bothered me because I was chasing a broom and a mop. I liked it. A pastor friend texted me and he's like, hey, you got a job? I was like, yeah, I got a job. He says, well, you want a job? I was like, John, I have a job. He's like, no, 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 do you want a job? I said, John, I, I've got a job. He says, well, how does $20, a sound, uh, $20 an hour sound? And this was back in 2010. I was like, I'm listening. So I ended up working for a sugar company in Brighton. Uh, there's five plants here in Colorado, uh, but their main sugar factories are in Idaho. So all we did here was store sugar. I was a maintenance man. Loved that job. I, I, I still miss that job. Whew, it was hard. Uh, I, was, I had been working there for three years. And I'd tell everybody, I'd be like, sweetest job I've ever had. It was. It, it was absolutely sweet. I'd pick stuff up, and I'd taste sugar in the air. And in the winter, the heaters would come on, and it smelled like cotton candy. I was like, whoo, I'm in heaven. <laughs> I've got a slight addiction to sugar. Uh, at one point, I went from maintenance over to management, and... It didn't work out. I, it wasn't a good fit for me. I'm a little mean, and the employees didn't like that. And so I went back to maintenance. And I really enjoyed that because I, I got to fabricate. I got to weld. I got to cut things with fire. It was, it was incredible. So on a Friday, I walked, was walking in for lunch, and the boss was like, man, you're taking names and kicking butt. You're doing awesome. At that point, we had been granted over $10 million in, uh, $10 million worth of money to do projects that needed to be done. Well, at the same time, we were being flooded with sugar from Mexico, and it flooded the market. It was so bad that our silos were, were filled with Mexican sugar, and the sugar they were producing in Idaho, they couldn't, they couldn't bring it to us. And so immediately, that $10 million was taken away. I won't get into why, but I was, I was canned. I, I was fired. And it created that root of bitterness in me. And I fought that, that root, but I, it was hard. I struggled with it. It took me 
I, to this day, I still, I still hurt for it. I hated that man that fired me because I thought he was my friend. I thought he cared about me. But at the time, he had brought a, a, his best friend from Idaho, and there were too many people in maintenance, and, well, I was the bottom man on the totem pole. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I've tried to reach out to him, and I, we're just not connecting. And See, unforgiveness, it creates things in our, in our, our, our minds, our bodies. Anger is one of them. You get angry at people, you lash out. Everything you do, you're, you're just, you're filled with anger. So much so that, that you almost want to hurt people with it. And you know what's funny is sometimes it can be caused as something as simple as, as somebody cutting you off in traffic. And I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm horrible about driving. I, I learned how to drive in Detroit and it's, they, they drive aggressive there, so I, I drive aggressive. The other thing it brings out is fear. You start worrying about, what did I do? Who, who am I? Why did, why did these things happen? And that unforgiveness continues to build. Gossip. Fear, the, 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 the unforgiveness will start you to gossip about people, people you don't even know. And gossip is, is, is a horrible thing in the church. I've seen, I've seen churches torn apart by gossip. The last thing is sickness. John Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, Berkeley University, to name a few, have linked unforgiveness to stomach ulcers, migraines, and in, 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 in extreme cases, cancer. Uh... It can turn people into insomniacs, severe depression. Unforgiveness, it's actually a sin. Uh, it, it can bring on high blood pressure, heart disease. People don't realize just tr truly how devastating unforgiveness can be. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 says, It's up there. No, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. Awesome. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I, did not say to, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Matthew 7, says, seven verse 2 says, For just as... You judge and criticize, condemn others. You will be judged and criticized and condemned in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others. It will be dealt out against you. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not neither pronouncing judgment nor subject or censure, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn or pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release, give up resentment, let it drop, as you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. The Bible's specific about unforgiveness. It's actually a sin. And I actually, I brought a friend with me today. Let's unpack some, some luggage.
T-shirt? No. Some of these pants. Oh, hey, here he is. This is the sin monkey. I've had the sin monkey. I was in the, I was in the men's home, and I found this in donations. And immediately he, he clung to me. And the reason I call him the sin monkey is because we often carry sin on our backs. And see, today, he'll be the monkey of unforgiveness. Get his hands to clap here. And I put him back there because he's less distracting, you know, there's a big fat guy with a monkey on his back. So, and, you know, I brought baggage here today, and there's a reason I brought it is because when you first get saved, we carry this huge load of luggage with us, and it's that sin on our back. And as we mature in Christianity, we start unpacking those things. And sometimes you, you pull things out, and they're so sharp that they, they, they physically cut you. And it hurts, it hurts to the core. It, it'll, find, it'll find things in you that, that you didn't know hurt. And so we pack them back in as the luggage. And eventually we start pulling things out. And, and with the word of God and what he does in our hearts, he softens those things. And he takes the rough edges off and the sharp edges off. And so we can hold those things and look at them and say, okay, I'm ready to put them away. I'm ready to drop them and get rid of them. Kind of jumped around. I stole the story from the beginning. But as we start unpacking things, we start learning about ourselves. We start learning about our triggers. We start learning about things that, that have affected us that from childhood that we didn't realize little things that little memories come back and they, they, they come to the forefront and we realize, wow, I've been holding a grudge against somebody for, for this long and I don't know why. Let me catch up here. See, I, I, I truly believe that unforgiveness affects it affects our Christianity. It affects how we are. Sorry, I'm wandering all over. But it affects everything in our lives. It actually affects our maturity in Christ. And if you can't learn to forgive, it'll affect what you do in church. See, Matthew 25, verse 23 and 24 says, so if you are offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that a brother has a grievance against you. Leave your gift at the altar, go first make peace with your brother, then come back and present your gift. And what the Bible's saying is that if you have unforgiveness in your heart, or if you have a grudge against somebody, that giving your offering means nothing. It means nothing. Anything you do means nothing until you go to that brother and you say, brother, I forgive you for what you've done in my life. 
Please forgive me for what I've done. It's profound. It's, a, it's effective. It's got weight. And you'll, you'll find that that weight falls off. Like I said, we go back to that luggage. We pick it up and we carry these things in our, in our lives. And they're sharp and they hurt. But eventually they get soft and, and rounded and easier to touch. And then we can throw them away. But if you do not forgive your others, no, no, I already said that, didn't I? <laughs> In Micah seven nineteen, he will again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. See, what people don't realize is that. Forgiveness is the linchpin of Christianity. That's good. Forgiveness is, is, is what it's all based upon. See, when Christ hung on the cross, he became that propitiation, that, that payment for our sin. See, before that, they, they slaughtered animals by the thousands. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm... I'm I'm a bear poker. I'm, I'm obnoxious. I'm a little mean. And I like poking people. And I've, I've asked Jewish people, I'm like, so how come you don't, don't do offerings anymore? How come you don't slaughter animals? They can't answer me. Because they don't understand what Christ did on the cross for us. See, when he died on that cross, he died for our sins. He didn't even know who I was as he died upon the cross and he shed his blood and he washed my sins away and I didn't understand until I was sitting in that home kneeling at a, at a pew praying and he touched me and he said, you're forgiven. And I'm forgiven now. Praise God I'm forgiven. Killing the light person. I, I, I'm passionate about this because, like I, the last time I spoke, I've won the lottery. My life was, was horrible. I, I can't believe my wife is still with me to this day. I was that horrible. This is the agreement, testament, covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after these, those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their hearts and I will inscribe them in their minds for their most inner, innermost thoughts and understanding. Then he goes on to say that their sins and their law-breaking will, I will remember no more. Now there will be an absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of sin. Cut that off. So, so many times I've heard pastors talk about the sea of unforgiveness. See, when God forgives us, for, for, when Christ forgives us of our sin, he puts it behind him and he never looks back. But see, us with the sin monkey, we carry it on our back and we throw it down. But, oh, hold on. I got I to pick my unforgiveness up because I'm not done 
with that person. I'm not ready to drop that forgiveness. I'm not ready to forgive them. I'm not ready to open myself to, the, to what God has for me. But see, we have to learn with the sin to drop it and forget it. That's what Christ did for me. Why can't I do it for them? It's not an easy thing just to understand in, in a brief amount of time that we have together. Forgiveness is a process. Learning how to forgive takes time. It's easy to say, God has forgiven my sins, but much harder to understand. See, I, I spent time in that men's home, and I vacillated back and forth. At one point, I was like, I'm out of here as soon as my wife comes and gets me. And fortunately for me, and my hubris and my arrogance. I was in a van full of men, and I said that, and the leader from the front, one of my best friends, John, he turned back, and in front of everybody put me on blast. He said, brother, I talked to your wife today. She said, you ain't got no home to come back to. See, and, and, and the forgiveness works both ways with me and my wife. Mostly on my side, I'll be honest. Oh, that's why. <laughs> Rabbi Harold S. Kushner says about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a matter of exonerating people who have hurt you. They may not deserve exoneration. Forgiveness means cleansing your soul of bitterness of what might have been, what should have been, and unforgiveness, and lay it at... Uh, hold on. I actually put the pages backwards. Is it? Oh. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of having and had a better past. What's past is past, and there's little to be gained by dwelling on it. So what I didn't add in my notes is the most important part about forgiveness. See, Christ died upon the cross for us. The worship team wants to go ahead and head up. Ooh, wow. I've really burned through It is a tough subject. The hardest thing to forgive is yourself. See, I, I did things in my life that I'm not proud of. I did things to my wife that I'm not proud of. There's still people in my family that I, I don't really even talk to my family anymore because of the things that I've done in my life. And, you know, I can ask for forgiveness. But until I forgive myself, it means nothing. 
See, we all carry this stuff on our backs. We carry it around with us. And, and we don't truly understand how detrimental it is to our lives, to our spiritual welfare. Bible's pretty specific about forgiveness. And there's so many aspects of forgiveness that that we don't understand. To this day, I still, I'll wake up and things will hit me and I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that I was that bad of a person. I can't believe that, that I held that anger in that that nasty part of my life in me. I had a picture. You want to put that up, Bruno? There it is. The most important deliverance you will ever receive is from people. Their opinions, the hurt they caused, and how they disappointed you, betrayed you, rejected you, and lied on you. Get it all out. Forgive. Let it go and move on with your life. Don't let anyone hinder your purpose. You can go to start playing. You see... I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ. I don't know how you stand with your forgiveness with with Christ. I don't know how you stand with forgiveness with your family. Can I have the prayer team come up too? I said earlier that, that our, our whole re- relation with Christ is based on forgiveness. See, and I invite you up here today to, to, to be with these prayer warriors and, and spend time with them to talk about your forgiveness, your forgiveness with Christ but most of all, your forgiveness of yourself for the things that you've done. See, you don't have to live bearing that weight, bearing that, that foul weight of the sin of unforgiveness. See, Christ died on the cross for us. He died so that we, we could live free, so that we could live clean, so that we could live forgiven. See, when we live forgiven, we can forgive others. We can let go of the things that, that, that have hindered us for our lives. See, when we drop that, 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 that unforgiveness and we start stepping into glory, you step from glory to glory to glory, and the blessings will pour down upon your life. See, I, I don't say this. This isn't part of me. It's part of the Word of God. This word was given to us. It's a love letter, a 66 book love letter about forgiveness and about his love for us. It starts with Adam and Eve in the the garden. 
and it talks about forgiveness from then on. I can't, I can't forgive anybody. Paul said, I, I can't judge me. How am I supposed to judge you? There's only one judge. And when you close your eyes for the last time and you step into glory, you're only going to have to face one person. And it's going to be you and him. And so today, do you, do you want to know Christ? Forgive me my sins, Lord. Father, create me a new person. Father, make me the person that you want me to be. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that, that Father, that you'd use my life as a, as a testimony, Lord. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you'd use my life as a light to the, to the darkness that's out there. And then, Lord, that you would, you would touch others around me, Father. Touch people in the internet, Lord. I pray that right now, Lord, that you would, you would sweep across this nation, Lord. That, Lord, that, that forgiveness would become part of our lives, Father. That, Lord, that we would speak forgiveness in our words. Father, I just, I thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you what you've done to my marriage. Father, and I pray that, Lord, that you continue working through me, Father. Lord, I thank you. I invite you to come up. Spend a little time in prayer. Spend a little time with the Savior who loves you.